Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I'm doing very well, Tim. How are you? Happy holidays to you. Happy holidays to everyone listening. Yes, to you and our listeners as well. Uh, thank you, Lance. So in this episode, we speak to a web sleuth named Keith, and uh, he's from JNP Films, and he did some web sleuthing on the case of Jonel Matthews, and his research took him in sort of a different direction and then steve panky was charged with the murder of jonelle matthews that's correct and for those not familiar with jonelle matthews she was born on february 9th 1972 and her presumed date of death was december 20th 1984 she was not discovered until july 25th 2019 and she was from the town of greeley colorado and this conversation that we have with Keith is really part exploration into the case and part exploration into his technique coming from a background not of detecting. Like like some of our listeners out there, this is definitely an exploration into, into citizen detecting, citizen sleuthing. And Keith's research had mostly been done before Steve Pankey was arrested. Um, and charged with uh, with the murder of Jonelle Matthews, which happened in October of 2020. And Jonelle Matthews was born on February 9th, 1972, and her presumed date of death was December 20th, 1984, where, again, they presume that she was kidnapped from her home after a school Christmas concert in Greeley, Colorado. And like you said, Tim, her body was found pretty recently, just about a year and a half ago, July 25th, 2019 by an oil crew digging for a new pipeline in a field about 18 miles away from her home in Greeley. Okay, I hope you enjoy the interview with Keith. Follow us on Twitter at CrawlSpacePod. We're on Instagram and Facebook as well. Thanks a lot for listening, and Happy New Year. Welcome to the podcast, Keith of JNP Films. How are you today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? We're doing fantastic. So good to have you on. Uh, it's been so long. You came to us uh, weeks and weeks ago, um, sort of uh, sort of mid-2020, mid-pandemic, with your information on the murder of Joan L. Matthews. You did a lot of research on it, and uh, and it's been a long time coming, so we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to join us and... Um, we want to talk to you about Jonelle's case, but also the work you've done, like in the whole citizen detecting world. Yeah, I got really interested in it when I uh, read about her um, when they discovered her remains uh, back in July of last year. Okay, so uh, so how long have you been researching Jonelle's case? Uh, I've been looking into it pretty hard for about the last year and a half. Okay, and uh, why um, why are you Keith from JNP Films and uh, and not using your last name? Well, um, I'm a little uh, cons- um, afraid <laughs> of uh, pissing off the cops because uh, I did get a nasty phone call from them when I was uh, in- doing some of my investigation. So the sensitivity to the fact that it's in trial or it's going to be going into trial. Right. Okay. So you started doing your research um, after Jonelle's body was found. Uh, we heard from you. We had a conversation about it. Then Steve Pankey was charged with the crime. Yeah, he yeah. became a, a person of interest. And then over the course of the last year, they finally indicted him. And right. now 
He's just sitting in jail. So, okay. Where does that leave you uh, with your research? Was he the person you thought uh, could have been responsible? Actually, no. I uh, didn't believe that there was any chance that he was the guy. I just felt that uh, he was just basically too nuts um, and couldn't have pulled it off something like this and gotten away with it for 35 years. Plus, he had no he had no real connection to the you know, the Matthews family that, that I knew of anyway. And um, so I just didn't think that there was any chance it was him. So I was doing a lot of research trying to find an alternate suspect. Well, this presents a really unique opportunity for people to witness uh, a type of citizen detecting. You you really hadn't looked into any other case in the past, is that correct? Or or have you, or have you had other cases that you've looked at? No, I wasn't even into true crime at all until until I just found this case. I kind of just stumbled into it. That's interesting. And what do you make of Steve Pankey's? connection to true crime podcasting with his contributions to uh patreon accounts uh that cover um this this case well he's apparently uh been interested in a lot of different stuff now i know he's been obsessed with the matthews case from the beginning since the day she disappeared so i I don't think it's necessarily unusual i mean i'm obsessed with this particular case but you know that doesn't mean anything yeah, but he lived in the town, you know, he was, that. that's a li- and and he also had some comments uh, about the case. It was, it was apparently on the police radar for for years. I, that, that was a surprise to me. Yeah, because he's always been inserting himself into the case since, you know, basically since the day it happened. Um, but he wasn't considered a suspect until two years ago, 2018. And where did you source that information from? Oh, that's right in the, uh, well, the, when they announced the indictment district attorney i think or whatever he's called when they had their public announcement meeting for it he said that he wasn't even on the radar until uh two years ago i was gonna say uh they've known about him but they didn't consider him a person of interest until about two years ago and i have a thought on that too okay yeah um hold that thought i have a question that i don't want to forget does any of this make you nervous? This being your first case, you started getting into true crime because of Joan L. Matthews, and then you just said yourself that this is something that you could, would consider being obsessed with, right? This is a, an obsession for you. Um, you know, I don't. I, I think it's probably a healthy obsession. I think trying to do something right and trying to find justice for a, a, a you know, a, a girl like this and and her family seems like your heart's in the right place. But does it make it make you nervous at all that? Uh, some other case might come along or you might hone in on a, a person of interest of your own that um, may not deserve that sort of scrutiny. Is your process something that keep, like makes you feel comfortable? Well, that's exactly it. I mean, because the person who I, sus- I, I have a person that I suspected. And of course, um, I don't want to point at somebody that might be innocent, you know, because I can't find any concrete proof that's uh, that would confirm my research i mean i uh, the research i did kind of points in one direction but that doesn't mean i'm right and uh do you submit that research to the police i try to but uh at that point they had they're they're laser focused on steve panky by that point and did they, they tell you that no not in so many words um they basically just dismissed what i said they said you know, we can't look at everything that a citizen sleuth presents to us. 
do you feel comfortable telling us what uh, law enforcement agency you submitted this information to? Uh, the Greeley police uh, primarily, because they're the ones that were handling it. Um, I tried going to the Weld County, but everyone just points back to Greeley. What What was this information that you gave to them? Was it documents or, or was it sort of a, I guess, handwritten theory that you had? Well, there's a lot of uh, internet research that I've done, maps and uh, other um, online um, information that I was able to procure that I sent. Well, I tried to send it to them. They'd never even really looked at it. And they told you that? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, if, if you don't mind, let's talk a little bit about the case um, because Jonelle was, uh, she was a missing person for, for years, really decades, huh? Before she was uh, just found. Yeah, th- uh, 35 years. Right. So uh, at approximately 9 p.m. on uh, December 20th, 1984, she uh, went missing. She was dropped off at home by a friend and uh, and her friend's dad. And uh, and she was home alone in the house. Is that is that how it worked? Yeah, she got dropped off home alone. Um, reportedly, the garage door is about halfway open. Uh, they watched her go in, said the lights come on, and they took off. And she was home alone for approximately an hour. She got dropped off around 8.30. Her dad got home around 9.30 and didn't notice that she was missing at that point because it looked like she was there. Uh, she had set up a space in front of the TV, a space heater. So you could tell that she had been there. And then so he left. According to a interview he did on another podcast, he then was wrapping Christmas presents. And then her sister got home about a half an hour later. By that point, he started to notice that she wasn't around. And so then he asked Jennifer, her sister, if she had if she had seen her. And at that point, they both realized that she was gone. And they were coming back from a school event, correct? Uh, Jennifer had had a basketball game, and her dad had been there and left. I, I assume when the game was over, and then. Jennifer had uh, driven herself and then came back a little bit later. And were there obvious signs of struggle or they didn't, they didn't notice anything? No, there was no obvious signs of any type of struggle inside the house. And outside the house, there was reports that there were footprints going up in front of the house, like looking inside the windows. Oh, was there, was there snow? Is that why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a, a inch or two of snow on the ground. Okay, and Jonelle was 12 years old when she was abducted. Was she killed the same day that she was abducted, or was there a period of time where she was kept? Uh, they assume it was the same day because she was dressed in the same clothes. It's possible she was alive, but I don't think so, especially if it was especially if it was Steve Pankey who did it because, I mean, he had a family and he was he had to go home. So I would consider it unlikely that she was alive past that night. Yeah, so Janelle was found in the same clothes she went missing in? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and her body was discovered on July 25th, 2019 by an oil crew about about 18 miles away is from her house? No, it's about th- 11 or 13 miles. Okay. And what, what was it about Janelle that got you in, interested in this? Because I'm sure you'd seen other cases come your way or just like on the news or in headlines. Uh, the biggest thing that caught my attention was the, some maps that the— I'd seen in the news article that came with it. Um, other things that caught my attention was that uh, she was the same age as I am. And as I did more research into it, there's just some uh, various similarities. Uh, so, for example, we were both adopted. 
she is actually was Hispanic. And then I'm also Hispanic. And uh, of course, we're the same age. So all those things just kind of, and I think, well, because she was one of the original milk carton kids that put her face on the milk cartons. Right. Um, it might be a false memory at this point, but I, I swear I've seen her picture on the milk cartons. I mean, I probably did. It seems like it looked familiar. Yeah, so that would have been in the um, the mid-'80s that her face was on the milk carton. Um, so, I, I mean, I would imagine that, that you would have seen it, and it's probably in, in there somewhere. It's probably not a, a false memory because those things were everywhere. Those were on, like, literally every milk carton. Yeah, I remember them specifically at, you know, at school during lunch, seeing them on the side of the carton, milk cartons. Well, it again, I want to get back to the citizen detecting because this, you 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 don't have a background in investigating, right? You're you're an, you're an army veteran, is that correct? Yes. And what do you do professionally, if you don't mind? No, I'm a machinist. I uh, make uh, small, high precision auto parts. Right, right. So this is a a, a trade that is pretty removed from investigating uh, cold cases uh probably as far removed as tim and i were when we before we started doing the podcasting I, i'm just curious i'm like I was endlessly fascinated by people's approach and did you use any of your experience in your current trade being a machinist in this as as or maybe or maybe something that you learned in the army did you take any of that to apply to this Yes, to a certain extent. Um, I was fascinated by maps even as a kid. And uh, in the Army, we did land navigation training. And I was really good at that map reading and uh, looking at terrain features and uh, being able to apply, you know, uh, just seeing details in maps. And uh, have you ever been to Greeley, Colorado? Do you have any connection to the area? Uh, Beforehand, no. But I have been there since. Oh, cool. You went there because you were investigating it? Yes. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, I actually went out to the field where she was found. When did you make that decision to go to Colorado? And was it part of any any other trip, or was it specifically for this? Uh, it was specifically for this. I, I did some sightseeing while I was in Colorado, but that was specific, I went there specifically to investigate the field. When? Uh, this was last year, uh, about October. And what would you find? Where, what was it like? Um, well, the, I... Uh, the field is vastly different than it was when they found her. I was, uh, I can get into more detail when I show some pictures and stuff, but I had this theory that if somebody was as capable of killing a 12 year old girl and burying her out in the middle of the field, then they're capable of doing it again. And it would seem logical that if they got away with it the first time, then they might put it, put another body in the same general location. And so I did a lot of satellite research, uh, looking at Google Maps and uh, Google Earth. And um, I had found a location where there was a disturbance that was visible over a 10 year period. And so I went out there with, a, I, I, had a, I was convinced that there was a, another murder dead body there. And so I went out there with a shovel <laughs> and dug a hole. Wow, okay. That's, that's compelling. Obviously I didn't find one though. Right. <laughs> Um, this was private property or public land? It is private property, but I did have permission from the co-owner, the guy who owned the field previous to selling 50% to the oil company. 
Gotcha. Okay. Tell us what the process was there, because there's a bunch of people out there who probably want to, have tried to, or will make plans to do something similar as they look into independently uh, a cold case. You know that you want to go dig that up because you suspect there might be another body there. So step one for you is to do what? Contact the owners or buy a shovel? <laughs> um, well, for, uh, I, before, I mean, I did all the Internet research first, and then I did make contact with the owner to get verbal permission to go out there into the field. Um, I did not contact the oil company, though. Okay. And uh, you spoke to the owner for a while about uh, about what you thought? Yeah, uh, we talked for probably about half hour to an hour. How does that conversation go down? Do you do you say do you introduce yourself and then say this is going going to sound like a strange request or how do you how do you breach that topic? I told him I was doing uh, research for an independent investigation on the on the case. And uh, he's an older gentleman. He's in his 80s now. So he pretty much just didn't care. <laughs> I mean, I was asking him general questions about himself and, you know, just some, because uh, I, I do hope to do a podcast on this at, at some point in the future. I was asking him some, uh, you know, information about him, his family, you know, and the field itself. And ha had the police searched the field, the rest of the field for other uh, crime scenes or anything like that? I don't know how extensive of a search they did after they found her. Or if they were in, yeah, I don't know. So the landowner didn't uh, discuss that with you? I, he probably doesn't know. But they, they recovered Jonel's body from his property? Yeah, yes. He knew about it, but I don't know that they really asked him any real questions about it. He had owned the property the entire time, since 84? No, it was originally, see, his grandfather died in 74, and then it went to, I believe, his mother, and then it eventually went to him. I'm not sure what year. Gotcha. Do you still believe that there is other bodies out there that were the victim of the same perpetrator? I think it's very possible. Yeah, I, I guess I'm curious, like, what the area was like. I know you said it probably looked a lot different from what it looked like in the 84, but how and why was that area chosen, uh, in your opinion? Um, I don't, well, I think whoever did it had to have had a connection to that field. I don't believe the choice of that field was random. No, it could have been a random choice, but it just where it was where her body was put doesn't feel random. Do you believe that the abduction itself was random or was that premeditated to some degree? I think it was a, 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 a an opportunity, opportunistic uh thing. Because it was so random that uh you know, she was it was random that she got left home alone. No one could have predicted that. Because it was just, it was basically random chance that she was left home for an hour. In your research, did you discover that there was any uh, indication that she had been followed in previous days or that there was somebody who uh, maybe she talked to her parents about that was, I don't know, driving by the bus stop or something like that? Uh, nothing that I've been able to find. I haven't heard any rumors that have, to that effect either. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Got your happy price, price line. All right, well, take us through your research um, with, with these maps and, uh, and what you found out um, using these maps and being on the location. Okay, so the very first thing that I found was the article. And in the article, they showed two fields, or two pictures of the field. One was from 1973, one was from 2005. And I highlighted the field. So obviously the black and white one is the, uh, from 73. And one of the, um, one of the first things that I noticed was is what appears to be a driveway that goes to the center of the field and that it's not there in the future. And the other thing that I noticed was cause they had posted up a Google, uh, Google maps and they had posted a, uh, pen where she was found. And what I, what I realized was, that pin felt exactly on that driveway. And so what I was thinking was, is that what are the odds that her body would be found on what appears to be a driveway a quarter of a mile off the road? Who's gonna, bear, who's gonna walk that far with a body in the middle of winter? And if you're gonna drive a car, who's gonna drive a car into the middle of a field you know, off the road and also, too, there's fencing. So we'd have to drive through a, a fence if there wasn't something there like a driveway. Was this a main road? Was it a heavily traveled road that this uh, driveway was off of? Uh, CR-49 is kind of the back way to get to Denver. So it's not, like a, it's not like a freeway. It's not like a major highway. But it is fairly busy. It's a 55-mile-an-hour road. Okay. It's a, lot, it's a lot bigger now than it was back in 84. Gotcha. And and we're looking at these images right now. You have the uh, you've overlaid the 1973 photo to the 2005 photo. And I'm just curious why you chose 1973. No, that was the newspaper. Oh, that was the newspaper. Yeah. Greeley Tribune. It posted that. I see. And the police actually don't didn't know about this photo. Didn't know anything about it. And they never looked at it as far as I know, even though I sent it to them. I see. And this is an area where uh, it looks like it's sort of like a landfill type area. And that's where they found her body. It's, this isn't paved. I'm just trying to paint the picture here. It's not paved. It's not like a field. It's sort of like an open dirt area. Uh, and stop me if I'm not correct on, on any of this. Um, it, was, it was used for cattle. Okay. For grazing. So it's okay. kind of a grassy area. Okay. Okay, so back in 84, anyone familiar with the route near Greeley to Denver could have known about that. And so, I mean, it could have been random, right? It could have been uh, someone just driving by and just being opportunistic and looking for a spot. Well, I mean, uh, 11, 13 miles away from town, there's a zillion other places you could have went. And then to drive a quarter of a mile back off the road, because if you're driving 55 miles an hour, you're not going to see a little driveway going into the middle of a field. You would have to be going, and plus, you know, like at night in the middle of the winter, there'd be, there was snow on the ground that night. Okay. But there's nothing saying that she was buried the night that she was abducted. And I would imagine that being the middle of winter, the ground would have been frozen. It would have been almost impossible to first drive a, a car out there without leaving some sort of trace and then digging through snow and then digging through frozen ground is what's your take on that? 
Um, it would be difficult, but it's not impossible. I've had some arguments about that. Once you get past the frozen part, which is only a couple inches, uh, it would be it, the ground is not frozen. So the difficult part is getting through the upper frozen crust, and then after that, it'd be it should be relatively easy. It wouldn't be any more difficult than digging a regular hole, except for it's cold outside. Now, stop me if uh, I'm trying to delicately word this. I, I don't know how to ask this question, but I feel like it's kind of hard to put yourself in the position of the killer, like try to assume or, or think about why they choose a spot or not choose a spot. You know what I mean? It's so like the person abducted someone and killed and killed a little girl. Like there's no rationale there. Um, yeah, I mean, it would, be, it would basically it's completely random. It, as far as my theory was, is that the choice of her was again just an opportunistic thing. It, the the location, I I believe, you know, once you've once you've killed somebody, you know, I you panic mode. Where am, what am I going to do with this? And it would be a lot easier to throw a body into a river, or but. But I'm sorry to interrupt, but how do you know? How do you know what it's like? How would you know how would you know someone panicked? Well, I'm just I'm figuring. I mean, if if I did something like that and it wasn't planned, you know, panic mode's gonna set in, what are you gonna do? And it would just be a lot easier to to throw throw it in a river or throw it in a ditch. I mean, you read a lot of cases now, you know, that's usually what they do. But if you're going to take the time to go get a shovel and dig a hole in the ground, hey, that's a lot of work. And why would you pick just a random location? Because the bigger thing is, is you don't, if you're going to bury it, you don't want someone to find it. And, you know, if you're just going to pick a random place, what's to say someone's not going to, one, see you, and then two, you know, notice, hey, there's a, someone dug a hole here. What's, what's up with that? How deep was the hole? I'm not sure. Uh, it was deep enough that, uh, you know, the machinery dug it up. It wasn't, it wasn't like surface level, but I don't think it was super deep. Uh, I would guess between four and six feet. The, the trench that they were digging couldn't have been that deep. Oil lines aren't that deep in the ground. So this is the place where she uh, had her final resting spot. She, there was no evidence that she was moved there. There was no evidence that she was uh, kept maybe in a, not to sound graphic, but in a, like a basement freezer for a few years then move there was there, was there anything to indicate that no not as far as i'm aware okay and you did say that the reason why people are making the assumption that she died on that day was because she was wearing the same clothes but at the same time it's not like whoever abducted her grabbed some of her clothes so she could have a change of wardrobe and probably didn't want to uh, stand out in the community if they went to a store to buy clothes for for a 12-year-old girl. Um, so I don't know. I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around her actually being murdered that night and buried that night. There is an alternate theory that if, if Steve Pankey did it, that um, he could have stashed her body in, because he had a used car lot at the time in his on his property. And... Um, could have stashed her in his backyard in a car and no one would have noticed. Right, because he wasn't on the radar at all then. Did he have family around or anyone else who lived with him at that time? His wife and kid, and I believe his father-in-law was in the area, maybe in Greeley, I'm not sure. But he's not from Greeley. He lived in uh, 
California and a few other states. I believe he was in California for most of his childhood, I think. I'm not super up on Steve Pankey because uh, I never thought of him as a suspect. So my research is, uh, I, I've got some uh, catching up to do. Okay, without naming names, you do have a person in mind that you think is a much better suspect. I don't know if we could even talk about something like that without getting into some hot water. Um, yeah, how it's do a you delicate because of the pending trial? I'd say. Yeah, without saying, like, I don't, I don't want you to actually say who it is. I'm just curious what led you to go down that path. My original theory was is that it had to have been a neighbor, someone within sight range visual sight range of her house because of the fact that she was left home alone at a, a completely random event that if somebody was basically stalking her, you know, if from the neighborhood that, you know, you're just watching her or whatever, that if they notice her getting dropped off home alone, then that would be the opportunity to do that. So I did some research and I found uh, a house that was in sight range where the people had moved in within a uh, not long before the incident. And so that caught my attention. And so I started looking at that. And what I found out was the owner of that place had previously worked for an oil exploration company in the fifties and sixties. So it would have been completely possible that, and he was from Greeley, it was completely possible that he could have been out in that field. So that was the connection and why I focused in on that, on that particular person. Now the owner of the house has actually passed away. He died in 2012, but it's possible that he could have had a younger accomplice that is still alive. Okay. How committed are you to that theory? Do you put a percentage on that? Well, I mean, I was pretty convinced. Um, in light of the Steve Panky stuff, I'm about 50-50 on both. Okay, that's fair. Uh, it's um, I would need a little bit more convincing on that, just to be the devil's advocate here. Uh, somebody who worked, I, I would imagine that a lot of people in that area worked for the oil industry. Is that is that accurate? Do you, do you have any um, info on that? No, not especially, but oil exploration itself, I wouldn't think there'd be a lot of manpower involved in that i mean digging oil lines and stuff like that sure but in that field out in that area there hadn't been a lot of actual drilling and stuff yet so what i'm showing you right now is the field and the spot where i thought that uh there was a body and show some zoom-ins of the disturbance over the course of several years and like uh, this one in particular looks like uh, there was dig marks. Like I said, it's over a course of about ten years, and it's always there. So it's like kind of like a little blemish in the uh, in the ground, almost like a scar. Yeah. Okay, and um, so it does. It would appear that there was some ground disturbance, right? Is that what you you gather? Yeah, and that's why I went out there to dig a hole there. But what I discovered was when I got out there, it doesn't look anything like. It did just two years ago. Yeah, so the yellow pin where it says dig site is where you digged, and then obviously Jonelle's site is kind, of, uh, is kind of on the other side of the little yard there. Yeah, and when I went out there, they were actually building a fence, but they hadn't completed it yet. So I went inside their 
inside the perimeter of their oil field there. And I was digging a hole and uh, they drove by, they saw me and they were eyeballing me pretty good, but they never came up and said anything. And uh, they never called the cops either. So, <laughs> and it, it, that that uh, Highway Forty Nine is over there to the east, or to the um, right to the to the right hand side there. Yeah, so north is up. So, yep. So you, where do you enter? Uh, I, there's a road. There's an access road that leads up to it. Okay. How my question I guess is uh how long are you away from your car? So you get out of your car with the shovel and then you walk how far? Oh, it was only a couple hundred feet. Oh, okay. I basically drove right up to it. And it was pretty easy to dig? Uh the grass is I mean the ground is pretty sandy, so yeah, actually it wasn't that hard. I dug about four foot deep in under an hour. That's impressive. <laughs> um, what what uh, what did you find? I mean, why do, do you have any conclusions on why the ground was disturbed from the aerial maps? No, because they had basically uh, bulldozed over the whole thing. So um, all the visual references that I had from satellite imagery was gone. Why I didn't find nothing there is because what ended up I ended up finding out is that's not where she was found. But I was able to find out where she was buried and I found a 1981 uh, road atlas that shows that there was a quote-unquote primitive road that ran between the two fields now primitive road would be like a two-track or a farmer's lane so there was a road there which means that my original theory still holds that there was a track there, a two track, that he could have driven up and then, you know, being a quarter mile off the road, be far enough away that no one's going to really notice someone digging a hole. Whether it had been so, that night or several days later, uh, you know, there was the way to get back there safely without losing a tire, getting stuck, you know, or something like that, where then suddenly they're going to find you. So I just want to recap the last minute or so. You're saying that where the body was known to be found, that is not accurate in your opinion, that it is actually her body was actually found in a different location um, close to that area? Well, the pin that they put on that map, I later found out was they basically just threw a dart at the board and that's where the point landed. It was completely random where they put that point. Who's they, the police? No, the uh, newspaper. Okay, sorry. So the newspaper uh, basically told the public they found the body of this girl uh, here. And, and it really didn't matter because no one really needs to know the specific location of the body. You're saying that you believe that it was this other location, which I guess um, would only matter in terms of maybe somebody being able to reach that location. Uh, yeah, I mean, they don't want to give up that information that uh you know where they found the body i mean i don't know why it really matters necessarily but yeah they don't want to give up that information and can you recap just so i'm clear how did you come about this location uh, photographs that were in the newspaper but uh, my concern is, is that if the cops know that they might prevent the uh, press from getting pictures like that in the future i used a landmark that was in the photo to figure out from satellite imagery where it was at and there was only one spot it could be and still be in that field. 
that's the other thing too. Uh, it, it had to be in that field. So, and the the pipeline is a straight line. So it had to be it has to lie on that pipeline and land in the field. So when I found the landmark that's in the photograph, that's how I know where it's at. Okay, I think I I think I understand that. Have you been to you've been physically to that location? Not the new one because I I didn't figure that out until uh, like March of this year. I see. Yeah, I wonder if they if they put a different location on purpose. I remember uh, they did that in the uh, the oxygen documentary that we were in. They changed up the coordinates for uh, public broadcast, and I think it was for safety. So uh, I wonder if there was some similar thought process here by the uh, the news media. It's possible. Um, the guy who wrote the article said it was the someone else, uh, the um, person that did the graphics or whatever. Have you been in communication with Jonell's family? I had a, a, a brief Facebook me- messenger with Jennifer, but it, it didn't. Uh, I was just asked a couple questions if she knew uh, Panky or uh, the other person who I thought. Okay, and but she didn't. I see. Was it a was it a friendly interaction or was she just answering your questions? Just answering the question. Do you have any um, intention to reach out to the family to to ask follow up questions? If I if I do a podcast in the future, then I, I will attempt to make contact. But otherwise, no. Is that by choice? Do you are you just keeping them uh, respecting their privacy? Yeah, basically. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to bug them. Plus, that was actually why the Greeley police called me and uh, basically threatened me <laughs> for making that contact in the first place. Right. So they threatened you because they were probably uh, at a point in the investigation where they thought that some interference might be detrimental to the case, do you think? Um, well, what they said was is that, that making that contact, it had upset her and uh, to basically told me to back off. Right. And uh, and did you call her after that? No. And did you have any contact with the police after that? Uh, not really. I have talked a couple times to the Weld County. Because if there are other bodies out there, then that would be Weld County, not Greeley. Okay. And uh, two other other bodies out there, I think they would lay along that primitive road. Any plans to head back out there? Maybe next summer I might might go out there, poke around. You should uh, take a camera. <laughs> yeah. Film yourself doing that. Document it a little bit better than the last time. Well, it's hard to tell, right? I mean, you're you're not really in the position to know exactly what you're going to find, right? It's it must be you don't want to go out there with like a full film crew and and so you, they can film you like shooting or film you digging up nothing, you know what I mean? Like you don't know what's going to happen, right? Yeah, I mean, chances are I'm not going to find anything. I went out there with metal detectors, hoping that you know if there was someone out there, maybe a zipper or something metal that I could find it. But since I was in the wrong location, obviously I didn't find anything. Man, good good work putting all this together. Yeah, I've spent hundreds of hours looking up all this stuff. Uh, the internet research ain't it's slow trying to find, um, you know, roadmaps and stuff like that. Um, you know, because you don't know where to look to find all this stuff. Okay, so my only, my, my final, well, I have two more questions. My first question is, where does your investigation take you now? I know that you said that you think that whoever did this is capable of uh possibly doing this to other um individuals 
probably other young girls. Uh, have you looked into any missing children in the area around that time period or since or before? Um, yeah, I did look at some uh, cold cases that are out of Colorado. I didn't see anything that like rang like, oh, that, you know, that looks super specific. Other than there was a college girl who was murdered, uh, I think two weeks, within two weeks of Jonelle. I can't remember if it was before or after, but her body was dumped in a river uh, just outside of Greeley. So it, it, the time period is really close, but the MO is different. She was, I believe, 19 or 20, something like that. Okay. And what was when was that? You said the time period was close? Yeah, it was like within a week or two. 